Now, let's get into the word of the Lord. But before I do that, would you agree with me as I lift up my heart in prayer? Father, we come before you this morning so grateful that you are who you are, that you are faithful, so grateful that you meet us every single time that we call upon your name, that we seek your face, that you're faithful to speak to us through your word. So this morning as we begin uh, our journey through your word, we pray for your blessing upon it. You pray for your anointing upon me as I communicate it. God, help me to do that clearly so that we can all understand the word that you have for us today, Father. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, last week, Pastor Joey was here ministering, and he was talking about surrendering, how uh, we need to give control of our life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the illustrations he used was about letting Jesus get behind the steering wheel, so to speak, of our life and letting him uh, direct our life so that we know he always knows where to go and we know that he always leads us on the right path. And one of the things that you'll discover that when the Lord is in control, when you surrender your life to the Lord, he loves to take us on trips. And by trips, I mean very specific experiences. And you'll discover that in the Christmas story, there are three trips that the Lord took Joseph and Mary on that is the focus of God's word today. So let's look at the very first one. Well, in fact, let me lay a little foundation even before we talk about the trips. Let's look in Matthew chapter 1. I want to read verses 18 through 24. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, his, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. And so I read that to you because I wanted to make sure that we laid the right foundation in, in that Joseph and Mary, we see, were divinely chosen by God uh, for a purpose. And that purpose was to give birth to and to raise the son of of God, divinely chosen for that purpose. And now to fulfill that purpose, to, to fulfill the purpose of birthing and raising the Son of God, God took them on three trips that we want to highlight this morning. The first trip is 
Bethlehem. So if we turn to the Gospel of Luke, we will find there in chapter 2, let me get to that spot. In Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first uh, census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their ancestral towns to register for, cent for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for the, her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So trip number one is Bethlehem. And as we have just read, they are traveling to Bethlehem from Nazareth. This trip was approximately 80 miles in, in the journey. And under normal circumstances, it would take about seven days, a full week, to travel to Bethlehem. So think about this. A, a normal traveling uh, a trip, rather, uh, would take about seven days. But now add to the fact that Mary was really very much pregnant. So it, at, at best, it would probably take longer. Uh, it would be wind up being uh, an arduous journey. Uh, but there, they get to Bethlehem. And then they're arriving, as we've just read. There was no lodging available, no room in any inn. So they had to now give birth and to stay in a stable. Not exactly how they probably uh, thought that God would provide for them. After all, they're, they're, they were charged and divinely chosen to birth and to raise the Son of God, the Messiah. And yet... Here they are staying in a stable with all the wonderful aromas that a stable would normally have. This trip was part of God's plan to fulfill prophecy. The word prophecy just talks about the foretelling of the future. And we find in the Old Testament uh, prophecy from Micah chapter 5 verse 2, but you O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origin was from the distant past. So this first trip that would take at least a week, not an easy trip, this trip to Bethlehem was in order to fulfill the prophetic word of God. The second trip we find, we go back to the gospel of Matthew because we're looking at trip number two is the trip to Egypt. In, in, verse, uh, in chapter two, verse 13, we find, after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, 
Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. And they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord has spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. So now we have this second trip is the trip to Egypt. Now, from where they were at to the, just to the border of Egypt was 429 miles away. This trip would take a minimum of three weeks to go, to get there. You would probably wonder why would they have to travel so far? I mean, why Egypt? Remember, Egypt was the land of slavery for them hundreds of years before, and no good Jew would ever consider going back to live in Egypt. And yet, they are taking on this trip by God to Egypt. And as we have just read, this trip was also to fulfill the scripture And that scripture is from Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, where this prophetic word, when Israel was a child, I loved him and I called my son out of Egypt. So, so far we're looking at two trips. The trip to Bethlehem, the trip to Egypt, and our third trip is the trip to Nazareth. For we go back again to Matthew chapter 2. Now we pick up at verse 19. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph uh, in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because those uh, who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod, son of Achilles, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town named called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said. He will be called a Nazarene. So now in this third trip, Joseph is instructed by an angel in a dream and say, okay, it's time to get up and go back to the land of Israel. And this trip now, as he gets back into uh, Israel, he's not told where to specifically go, but he realized Herod's son is still alive now, and he receives a second uh, dream uh, saying, honing in on specifically telling him to go and live in Nazareth. Now, Nazareth was a small town, an insignificant town. In fact, you remember when... uh, in John chapter 1, Nathaniel was being encouraged to go by Philip to say, we found the Messiah. And remember in John, in John chapter 1, verse 46, this was Nathaniel's response. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? 
In other words, it wasn't the, uh, a place that was noted for, uh, uh, for being good in any shape or form. It was a small town, insignificant. And so here's where God directs Joseph and Mary to go live. Some would have thought that perhaps that the Lord would have directed him to live in a much more affluent place. After all, again, they are raising the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and yet they are directed to go to live in a place that had no significance whatsoever. But as we see that this trip also was in fulfillment of a prophecy. And it's interesting that it says Jesus will be called a Nazarene. Uh, a Nazarene, the literal translation for the word Nazarene was branch. And we know the word of God says in uh, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So once again, on this third trip, Nazareth, an insignificant place, Jesus would be called the Nazarene, the branch. And we know once again, that this trip was a fulfillment of God's plan, God's divine plan. So now, let's make the connection to you and I. What does this all have to do with us here today? Let me begin by the first connection is this. Like Joseph and Mary, Christians, those who've embraced Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior, those who have said yes to receiving Christ, those who have surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, allowing him to take the steering wheel as their life, as Pastor Joey said last week. Like Joseph and Mary, we are also divinely chosen. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 says, Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received, listen, an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and makes everything, come on, you at home, say everything with me, everything work out according to his plan. So now, there is a mystery that quite frankly, no one could ever truly explain that has to be received by faith. It is not uh, something that you can logically deduce, and it's a big word called predestination. Where the Bible is teaching us here that God chose us in advance. Most people will think, well, I received Christ in my life. I accepted Jesus. I made the decision. I made the choice. I chose to re receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. But the truth of the matter is, we were already chosen by God in advance. When you and I would receive Jesus Christ as our Savior into our hearts, we were simply responding to God already choosing us. For the Bible says no one can come to Christ unless the Father draws him. So this is the mystery of predestination where 
where if we walk through the door that says choose life, well, if we walk through that door, on the other side of the door, it would say chosen, meaning we chose to respond to God choosing us. That is the wonderful mystery called predestination. And we are chosen, and notice God makes everything work together according to his plan. So not only are we divinely chosen, but we're divinely chosen for a purpose, for the plan that God has. And like Joseph and Mary, who were chosen by God, divinely chosen to, to birth and raise the Son of God, you and I are divinely chosen by God to birth Christ in us, but also to raise, or a, a more appropriate word for us is to mature Christ in us. For the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So notice that we are divinely chosen by God to give birth to the Son of God, but then the plan of God is that you and I should mature. That Jesus, if I could say this in a way so that it correlates with Joseph and Mary, it is God's plan that Jesus matures within us, that he should not stay a baby in the manger, but rather that now that he's been birthed in us, that he should mature in us. The Spirit of God should mature in us. We should grow, if you want to use the word grow, uh, spiritually, so that we attain to the full measure of the fullness of Christ. It means God's plan for your life, for my life, is maturity. God wants every single one of us to grow spiritually, to mature. Now, the unique thing about God is that he uses trips. God uses trips to mature us. God uses trips, specific experiences, to carry out this divine plan that he has. Trips teach us, listen, three things that we're going to focus in on. Trips, special, specific experiences that God sends us on, that God allows us to go through, teach us God's provision, teach us God's protection, and teach us God's providence. Three things, provision, protection, and providence. I want to break those down for a few moments here before we close in a word of prayer. Let me take the first one, God's provision. It's interesting that God did not provide Joseph and Mary with elaborate accommodations. Come on. If that were your son, if you were sitting God in heaven and said, that's the birth of my son, he is going to stay in the best hotels eating the best food. That's how I'm going to provide for him because he's my son. But no, God said, uh, I'm going to provide us a stable. And the manger, which usually holds straw that the animals feed in, that's what I'm going to provide for my son as a crib. You see, God didn't provide everything 
that they wanted the way they wanted it, but he certainly provided everything they needed, which was a roof over their head. And then we find that right before he sends them to Egypt, God sends wise men to provide gifts for them, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What in the world would they need that if they're going on a trip? Well, they would need financial resources. And so they would certainly use those gifts as resources so that they can buy themselves food and be sustained in the journey. We don't know how long they were in Egypt. The Bible doesn't tell us. But however long they were, God provided for them the resources that they would need in this journey. So, in conclusion, when it comes to God's provision, maturity takes place in our life when we understand and trust that God may not always provide what we want, but he will always provide what we need. You see? Part of the experiencing on this trip that God takes us on is always to recognize and to trust God is going to provide everything I need. Now, when, when we lose sight of that, when we don't trust that, we begin to now think how we want God to provide for us. And so we now set our expectations saying, uh, I need a, a car. My car broke down. It died. They're saying it doesn't work fixing. So my God said he will provide all I need. I think I need a BMW. And then God provides you with a used Volkswagen Beetle Bug, no air conditioning, standard that you have to learn. Has a little smell from the previous owner that didn't bathe as much as they should have. And you're wondering, is this the best God can do? You see, we need to recognize that God wants us to trust in him and to, re and to understand. I may not have filet mignon on my table, but there is food that God provided. The psalmist said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Let's trust that God will always provide everything that we need. Then these trips that God takes us on teaches us, helps us to understand and trust in God's protection. Now, once again, let's go back and be Joseph and Mary for a moment. You have charged me with raising your son. I am taking care of the son of God, the Messiah. And now some dude named Herod is trying to off that child. At the very least, you got to give me one angel. That's all I need. One angel will help me to protect him. Why in the world would you tell me to flee? Why should I run? Am I not taking care of the son of God? That's how I would think. Come on, God. That's not protection. Running away is not protection. Not to my eyes, not in a natural man. But you see, there are times that God takes us on these trips 
and things occur. And God tells us to flee when we're expecting to stay and watch God take care of us. In other words, remember David? Was not David chosen by God? Was not David the one that God said, this is the man after my own heart. This is the man I'm going to build the kingdom on. Oh, David, I know Saul is looking to take your life. I'm going to take care of you. Here's how I'm going to take care of you. Go run and hide and live in a cave. And he's coming this way. David, go that way. But God, how about one time you putting Saul in his place? How about one time you putting Herod in this place? Why in the world do we who are divinely chosen, who have God Almighty uh, with us, why do we got to flee? Why do we have to run? You see, maturity takes place when we understand that God protects us more often than not by directing us away from that which would destroy us. There are times where we engage in a relationship that, if let alone, would destroy our spiritual life. And God comes by his faithfulness to protect us by telling us in that relationship. Run away from that person. Don't deal with that. Don't stay there. To stay there would be to try to test God. No, flee, run away. In fact, I've come to this conclusion using my own life. And I think if you look into your heart and in your life, you will agree with me. The greatest protection that we receive from God is when God protects us from ourselves. When God, in his faithfulness, sees where we're at. Because the heart, the Bible says, is desperately wicked and no one can know. You don't know your own heart. You get your own heart deceives us. It deceives you. It deceives me. And so there are times when we want something so bad. And then the God comes and warns us, whether it's in a dream, whether it's through counseling that somebody else gives us. But God, through his word, God will give us clear direction. He will say, run, flee. Don't mess with that thing. Do you know the Bible talks about fleeing? We're told to flee youthful desires. Sexual temptation. Please, don't be telling me you're going to go into a bar and then you're going to say, I, I want to show you how strong I am. I, I, I know I used to be an alcoholic, but I can go in that bar now and I won't touch a drink. That's tempting God. Run away. Flee. Don't put yourself in that place of foolishness. Don't tell me that God's going to protect you. So you go out at three o'clock in the morning and you got all your jewelry on and you just have all of these lights and sirens going. So everybody say, look at me, look at my stuff. And you go down an area where everybody usually gets mugged and you think God's going to protect me. That's not going to happen to me. That would be foolish. But you know what? There are times where we do very foolish things that God warns us of. Said, so don't go there. Don't do that. And it's because he does, wants to protect us from ourselves. And then lastly, we're talking about God's providence. 
Now, providence is talking, uh, by definition, means looking to prepare to the future, for the future. Looking to prepare for the future. Joseph and Mary's trips prepared them, positioned them to fulfill the prophetic word of God and to prepare them for everything that would unfold afterward. Everything, we read it earlier, everything that transpires in your life and in my life, God works it together to fulfill his plan. In other words, when God takes us on a trip, and all of a sudden, you go into the office and you find that because of this COVID situation and, and things are going bad in the company, they give you now the pink slip. God is now going to take you on a trip to see, are you going to trust me to provide for me? And, and are you going to trust that I have a plan for your life? Listen, nothing ever takes God by surprise. This COVID pandemic didn't take God by surprise. The situation that we find ourselves in today didn't take God by surprise. In fact, some of them are orchestrated by God. They're part of the experience that God wants you and I to have so that we can know while we're on the, taking this trip, God wants to say every step you take, Carlos, is in preparation for the one you'll have to take tomorrow. It's all preparing for your future. It's all preparing for the plan that I have for you to unfold. And maturity takes place when we understand and trust that God makes everything work out according to his plan. They may not work out according to your plans, but they will always work out according to God's plan. Have you ever done this? I certainly have. Where you can look back, as it were, where you can reflect back when something happened to you and at that moment in time, you thought it was devastating. You thought like you could never recover from that. And now, maybe months later, maybe even years later, you look back and you realize, thank God that happened to me. I didn't see it then. I didn't understand it then. But now I see why God did that. Everything that God does is in preparation for your future. And we need to trust God for that. We may not always understand it as far as how it will play out. But he will always work everything out according to his plan. Pastor Jason, worship team, if you would come back up. These trips that we're talking about, three trips that... God took Joseph and Mary in this Christmas story, if you will, to Bethlehem, to Egypt, to Nazareth. Some of them steps may seem insignificant, like Nazareth, where it doesn't mean anything to you now. But I assure you, every step that you take, every trip that God takes you on, is a step that helps to unfold the plan that he has for your life. They're designed by God to help us build our trust in him, to build our trust in his provision. I know these are tough times. 
I know not just financially, but I know that some of us are hurting inside. Uh, listen, we miss you guys terribly. We're all missing the fellowship. Uh, we're missing family members that we can't gather with. And, and, and I don't know about you, but if I could totally be honest for a moment, I'm just tired of Zoom. I don't want to Zoom anybody anymore. I, I just, I want to see people face to face. I get that. So there's a lot of things that we are looking for God to provide. But I believe in this time, it's a unique time because God works everything according to his plan. Maybe now, more than ever before, you and I can draw closer to the Lord and build our relationship to him so that we can trust him that during this pandemic, God's going to provide everything that we need. God's going to give us protection. And oftentimes, that's about God telling us where not to go, what not to do. And God's providence, where he will work everything out in preparation for your future and mine.